I'm Taylor. I'm Tressa. And, and we, we are, are not amused. amused. Today, we are going to be talking about Welsh mythology and legends and, legends. and things. And folklore and urban tales. And I don't know if we have all that. Okay, well, <laughs> we have a hodgepodge of things. We do. We have quite a lot to discuss. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, shocker, I didn't start the timer. There it is. We need to talk about tea. It's tea time! <laughs> Cool. Cool. It's probably cold by now. It mine is not. I just took a little sip before we started recording. <laughs> well, it's not cold by my standards, but maybe by Taylor's standards it is. So I am having the fireside mocha from David's tea. Um its first ingredient is coca beans and not apples, so that's great. But guess what? Its second ingredient is apples. And then <laughs> sugar and sugar Ooh. sprinkles. And chocolate chips and pink peppers and natural <laughs> flavoring. I don't know there's a lot going on there. Um, anyway, that's Fireside Mocha, so we'll say how I like it. And Taylor, what are you having? <laughs> I'm just wondering if we're ever going to get through the David's Tea Adam it. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. Well, anyway, I'm having the... I'm not going to say this right, but there is the theme of our podcast this time, so... Oh, my God. Um, Darjeeling Quince. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's an organic black tea. It's from Tea Forte. Um, it's citrus, quince, and hibiscus. Yeah, that's it. It says, well, I thought it was going to say more, but all it says is lend balance to a prized black tea. <laughs> okay. So, whatever, I whatever you say. Did probably steep it for too long because I kind of lost oh, track of time. Right. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Well. Um. Well, I did just look up whatever quince. Mm. I'm sure that is not how you say, it, but I don't know. I tried to look up what it is. Um. And it says it's a fruit that is. It's hard and tart and seldom <laughs> eaten raw. But you have our to process. Cook it or what? What does that even well, mean? It's processed into marmalade, jam, paste, or alcoholic beverages. Oh. So there you go. What? Okay, well, we'll let you know Strange. at the end of the podcast how we got on with our teas. <laughs> so let's get into this Welsh mythology, legends, urban, whatever. <laughs> All this good stuff. Oh, yeah. Get excited, everybody. Because Tressa's starting. Yeah? I'm starting. <laughs> I was like, no. I don't think so. I'm starting. Let me set my tea down. Yes. It's all you, Taylor. Take it away. So I I definitely went with the more, like, traditional mythology route. And Taylor went with more of, like, legends. I mean, I think. I have not heard what she's covering yet. But. Yeah. Yeah. I went with, like, kind of the ancient mythology. I And I think she went with more some more modern stuff. So. Well, it's not modern. Yeah. It's not like last time, like with the vampire and stuff oh, like that. Oh, okay. It's still like old, it's like old legends. Okay. Well, hopefully we don't have any repeats. Okay. Ooh. Well, just to start, just sorry for the pronunciations. Yeah. Same. Um, Welsh is hard. There's just no way I'm going to get these right, so. Okay. The first one is <laughs> the... Lady of Linen Fanfach. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure is right. 
Oh, no. Um, it's also known as the Lady of the Lake, which is probably just how I'm going to refer to it throughout. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I did find two slightly, slightly different stories. It's the same basic story, but... So the first one, there's a widow who lived near, I do have to say, Lake Lynn in Fonfach. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she lived near this lake that's called that. Um, and she had her son help with her farm. One day he was out by the lake and he saw a woman appear on the water. Um, he fell in love with her immediately. Oh, yeah. Of course. She's so pretty. And offered her his bread, which she denied um, because his crust was too hard. So. <laughs> it sounds like me rejecting the shitty pizza. <laughs> Um, so he went and he told his mother of this encounter and she advised that if the lady was interested in him, she would appear again. So he goes back to the lake the next day and she did appear to him and he again offered his bread, but this time it was too underbaked because his mother suggested he take unbaked bread. So it was very extreme. Um, so he told his mother again what happened, and she encouraged him to just keep trying. Um, this time he took half-baked bread, (laughs) and she was happy with this. Ah, so it's just Goldilocks story. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, they were engaged, but she said the marriage would only last if he did not strike her three times without cause. Oh. Oh. So, a few years down the road she had their first son um and this i'll just refer to him as a farmer because it's easier that way um the farmer's cousin was christening their son the farmer's like our main character yeah it's the boy yeah all right right. um so his cousin was christening their son but since it was hot outside he was impatient to leave while the lady of the lake was reluctant um so he tapped her on the shoulder and said go go to her she responded with you do not see what i see if we had left when you wanted or wanted to our child would have been sick from the heat now the clouds have covered the sun and we may leave but you have struck me the first time without cause Uh i think we all see where this is going Uh (laughs) so when she had their second son another cousin of his (laughs) was to get married um, they attended the wedding, but during it, she started to weep. He tapped her on the shoulder and hushed her, afraid she would disrupt the ceremony. She said, you do not see what I see. I cry for the great sorrow that is to befall them, but you have now struck me the second blow without cause. Mm, tapped her? Yeah, that's well, okay. I don't know how aggressively he was tapping her. <laughs> An aggressive tap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when their third son was born, the wife of the cousin died during childbirth, leaving the husband without family because uh. the baby died too soon. So, uh, yeah, see, there's the... So she has, like, some sort of foresight, obviously. I mean, she came from a lake and was yeah. walking on water, I mean, yeah. so yeah. So, so something's going on there. Um, the next winter, the cousin died from an illness. During the funeral, 
the lady of the lake began to laugh. Embarrassed, he tapped her on the arm and told her to stop laughing. She replied, you do not see what I see. I laugh because his spirit is free from all cares and sadness, and you have struck me for the third time without cause. Our marriage is ended. She walked away from him, and while she never quickened her pace, he could not catch her. She vanished into the waters of that lake I don't want to say the name of again. (laughs) Um, He never saw her again, but she did appear to her sons from time to time Mm. and showed them the different uses of herbs from the land and mountains. Wow. So that's the first story of that tale. Oh. Oh, that's <laughs> right. There was like kind of a second variation. There's a second one, which right. is similar. Um, <clears throat> so in the second story, <laughs> a boy uh, would have his sheep and cattle graze around the lake. Um, one day he saw the form of a beautiful woman slowly walk out of the water towards him, and he fell in love with her immediately. He wasn't sure if she was a fairy or goddess, but he didn't care because he was love-struck and under her spell. Mm-hmm. She presented his future to him and said he would be wealthy and respected if he accepted her proposal of marriage. So a little different, because okay. now she's like, you marry me, here's your future. Huh, all right. However, there were two conditions. <laughs> he must never strike her three times, and he must keep it a secret where she had come from. Okay. He agreed, and they were married. After they married, his livestock became the healthiest they had ever been and were breeding quickly. He became skilled at negotiating for the best prices for his animals at market and soon became a well-known and respected breeder, successful dealer, and soon had his own farm. Um, Shortly after that, he would invest in more land, rent it out, and started breeding horses. He grew his reputation until he was seen as a good and honest businessman whom friends would go to for advice. Mm -hmm. His wife was always there to support him, and they had three sons, so that's similar. Yep. They were very much in love, which was easy to see, supposedly. However, as his wealth grew, he became more arrogant. He would ignore old friends and would forget some of his promises, resulting in people losing their trust in him, which would lead to him becoming angry. Uh-oh. One day, his wife met him at the market and saw that he was upset. She asked what was wrong, thinking him talking about it would make him feel better. But instead, he struck her. Mm. Men. <laughs> Figures. She reminded him of their agreement, and he begged her forgiveness and promised to never strike her again. Mm-hmm. According to this story, it happened two more times. Basically the exact same thing. Um, the second time she forgave him, but the third time she said their marriage was over. She walked away from him back to the lake and no matter how he tried to, he could not catch her. Him and his sons were left weeping for her on the edge of the lake. Apparently she didn't come back and visit them in this story. Well, in that version, he did actually hit her. Right. And in the other one, it seems like what the first time was it, did he hit her once? And then it was like he tapped her. He always tapped her. He always just tapped her. But I think part of it was combined with, like, him being, like, ashamed of her and yeah. all that when she was like, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what's best for us right now. You mm-hmm. don't see what I see. Mm-hmm. I think we found the title of our episode. <laughs> okay. So that's the lady of... The lady of the lady. Linen Okay. And is 
Sorry if you didn't look this up. Is that a real lake somewhere? Is that like... It is. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's actually tied to a specific place in mm-hmm. Wales. Cool. Yeah. That's fun. Okay, my second one is short, but it is mm-hmm. sad. Um, wah, wah. So just <laughs> as a disclaimer and a slight spoiler for animal lovers, you may want to uh, skip this one. Okay, I'm going to skip this one. You can't. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is the story of Gellert, who's a dog. I feel like I've heard this. Maybe. Okay. So we're in the 13th century. Um, Prince Llewellyn the Great <laughs> spent much of his time hunting in the countryside. One day when he called his hunting dogs to him, as he usually did, his favorite dog, Gellert, did not appear. I'm so upset already. <laughs> he had to go hunting without him. <laughs> Lost dog. Mm, no. When he returned... <laughs> Gellert greeted him okay. with his jaws dripping with blood. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, the prince's mind immediately went to an awful idea that Gellert had killed his one-year-old son. Oh, no. And his idea was realized when he went to the nursery and saw an upturned cradle and walls covered in blood. Crazed with grief, the prince plunged his sword into Gellert's heart. Ah, dang it. <laughs> As Gellert was dying, uh, the prince heard a baby's cry, <laughs> lifted the cradle, and found his son unharmed next to an enormous wolf that Gellert had no. killed. Oh, no. The prince carried the faithful Gellert outside <laughs> the castle walls and buried him where everyone would be able to see his grave and know the story of the brave Gellert. To this day, a carn of stones marks the grave with the name Bedgeller, which means oh. <laughs> I was like Gellert. Well, it's B E D D G E L E R T. Okay. <laughs> which means the grave of Gellert. Oh. Every year, thousands of people visit the grave, but there's a small issue. The carn of stones is less than two hundred years old. Carn. Karn. Is that like a ring? Like a... It's like a tower of stones. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. I don't know. C-A-I-R-N. Okay. I have no idea. Um, things get a little more confusing in 1793 when a man named David Pritchard came to live in Bedgellert. He was a landlord at the Royal Goad Inn and was aware of the dog's story, so he changed it to fit the village. He supposedly invented the name Gellert uh. and introduced the name Llewellyn into the story because of the connection between the prince and a nearby abbey, and it was with the help of a parish clerk that Pritchard raised the carn. So, who knows what really happened? But, there are, there is a grave to Gellert and a statue of a dog. Like, I found pictures mm-hmm. when I was Googling. It's beyond my bucket list to go there. So, I don't really know what the point of that story is. Not to assume, I guess. Oh, <laughs> don't murder sure. your dog. Uh, know all the facts before you murder your dog. <laughs> I was getting some, like, Old Yeller vibes from that. I never watched Old Yeller. But, well, 
Yeah. It's I don't like sad animal stories. This is literally in my notes as Gellert because I wasn't sure if I wanted to cover it. Yeah. Hey, I mean, the good news is that it's a legend, so there's a good chance, you know, it didn't actually happen. It was just maybe to teach a, it's like a little fable, like, don't assume. Get all the facts before you. If it's your favorite dog, you're just going to, like, murder him? Maybe he thought he, I, okay, the reason I thought it was, like, Old Yeller-y is because Old Yeller, the dog, gets rabies, and so they have to put him down. Because, right. So I was like, maybe he thought he he was, like, rabid and was going to kill the rest of the family. You know, so that was his initial worry. I mean, his his mouth was dripping with blood. I mean, so it's not like he had zero evidence. He never found a body. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was definitely a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what the lesson of Lady of the Lake is supposed to be. Don't hit women. We know more than you. <laughs> you don't see what I see. <laughs> you really do cling into that first version of the story, aren't you? I mean, I guess she didn't say that. Oh, yeah, because poor her, she was like, what's wrong? And he's like, no, and hits her. Great. That's yeah, that even second better. version is uh, <laughs> much more frustrating, I feel like, because it's like, I'm sorry, you have anger issues and you're just taking it out on your wife? How about, how about don't? How about, how about don't? Okay, Tressa's turn. Oh, boy, I don't know how I can follow... Gellert? Gellert. Good old Gellert. That's upsetting. Well... Hi. You can follow it yeah, by yeah, yeah. being not upsetting. I will do my best. <laughs> of course, I, again, I'm going to butcher all of these Welsh names and places and words, so. Sorry. It's, that's a whole sad thing in itself. <laughs> okay, well, my sources. <laughs> oh, I'll do my sources at <laughs> the end because I have too many. You have so many. And they give stuff away about what I'll be talking about. Yeah, my sources for this section are easy peasy. Uh, I there's three Wikipedia articles that I used. Um, one on the matter of Britain. One on the Mabinogoin. <laughs> sure. And then the four branches of the Mabinogoin. Mabinogoin. It's spell spelled. <laughs> <laughs> it is spelled M A B I N O G I O N. Yeah. Mabino Gion? Oh. Mabino Gion? Did you look it up? No. <laughs> That'd be way too much work. I at least looked up Linden Fogfinger. <laughs> Not gonna lie to you, I did all this today. So. I did part of mine today. I did one today. It was like two weeks ago that you were like, hey, are you working on. Did you do this legend? Nope. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing these two, so don't do them. Also, how many are we supposed to do each? Yeah, and I feel like that was forever ago. And I was like, yeah, Noah, do whatever ones you want. Because there's <laughs> no way I've done them. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Anywho. Mabino, uh, wait, whatever. What you need to know is I used Wikipedia for this section. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm going to be talking about the four branches of the... I'm going to just call it the Mab. Can I just call it the Mab? That's fine, but it sounds like history class. It kind of, kind of is. It's the four branches of government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the four branches of this book, basically. It's a big book that is, those are the main stories of Welsh mythology is what it is. Okay. Um. So it the four branches of this book 
are a part of the matter of Britain, which is the body of medieval literature and legendary material associated with Great Britain and Brittany (sighs) and the kings associated with it, particularly King Arthur. Okay. Okay. So it's like this whole thing, like think of it, it's an umbrella. The matter of Britain is the whole thing. And then the Mab are the earliest British prose stories. Um, they're all written in Middle Welsh, which is just like the Welsh language of the 12th to 15th centuries. It's just an old version of Welsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really unique about this book is that it's like all of these stories can be specifically tied to a place in Wales. Like a real place, just like the Lady of the Lake is like, the lake was a real lake and Mm -hmm. exists today. And almost all the stories are like that within this work, even though they're myths. It's like there's a specific place that they say it happened and it's a place that exists today. So it's kind of fun. So that's why whales can claim all of these as quote unquote Welsh mythology because it happened there supposedly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to break down the four branches of the Mab, this book. Um, because they're the main part of it, right? Um, the tales, it says that all of these tales can be read as either mythology, political themes, romances, or fantasies, but I'm just treating them like mythology for purposes of our podcast. (laughs) Okay, so the first branch is about... (laughs) Pwill... P-W-Y-L-L. Oh. Prince of Dyfed. D-Y-F-E-D. I don't know. I feel like I had Pwill in one of mine. Uh-oh. Oh, mine was P-W-L-L. Oh. So no Y. It's Pool. Pool. Okay. Not Prince. <laughs> Not Prince. Didn't you say Prince? He's a Prince. Yeah. Doesn't yours mean Prince? No, it's his name. His na- oh, Prince, whatever. So-and-so, the prince of this. That's his, yeah. His name is Pwill, Prince of Dyfed. Oh, I thought it meant Prince. No. <laughs> this is a guy. Okay, so the prince. <laughs> the basic plot of this first branch of this big book, right? Um, the prince, basically, he exchanges places for a year with Aaron, the ruler of the underworld, and encounters... Mm-hmm. And marries a beautiful maiden. Her name is Rhiannon. Like the, you know, the Fleetwood Mac song. Rhiannon. That one. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where that came from. <laughs> Which one? Which came first? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's, that's, that is the basic storyline of this. Okay. Uh, the first one. Um, this, they, they get more complicated as it goes. Because I had a harder time understanding each story. Um, but that one's pretty basic. Okay. Um, the second branch is about Branwen, daughter of Lyre, I guess. It's L-L-Y-R, but the Y has, a, like, a carrot above it. I, I don't know what that does to the Y, okay? Anyway. Probably makes it, like, a G sound or something. I don't know. I don't know. Welsh is really hard. <laughs> um, so, basically, there's a war going on between Britain and Ireland, which I'm that actually happened. Uh. I don't know what, there's no specific war this points to. Mm-hmm. But I'm, they were warring for so long, you know. Um, but basically there's one king who is using this cauldron to bring the dead back to life. 
Good. Hmm, we all know that story, the black cauldron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Britain somehow wins against this undead army. It's not really clear how they make that work. They have uh, seven men at the end who are alive who survived this battle against the undead. But they win because they have the last men standing, I guess. Um, and then my favorite detail of this branch is that five pregnant women survived to repopulate Ireland. That's it. They were all already pregnant? Apparently. Wasn't that lucky. <laughs> yeah, except for not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully. I, I don't know. That's a small population pool yep. you're working with. But you know what? Whatever. It's, it's an island, so. That's true. Um... Okay, so that's the second branch is basically that war. The third branch is about Manawiden, son of Liar. So we did the daughter mm-hmm. in the second branch, and we're going to do the son now. This one, I'm not going to lie, I read through this summary on Wikipedia like three or four times, and I still <laughs> did not quite comprehend this story or what we were supposed to get out of this story. It just seemed like it was all over the place. So basically, Mana Winden marries Rhiannon, which I don't understand because I swear in the first thing. Well, I was just going to say, yeah. I thought the prince married her. I did too. Now, okay, in the Wikipedia article, it did say that Rhiannon chose the prince as her consort, which can mean spouse, but also can mean companion. I mean, there could also, I guess, be so, two people named that. I, yeah, I suppose. Maybe it was it a common, weird. maybe it's a Commonwealth name. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so this son marries Rhiannon. Mm-hmm. Um, they team up with another couple and move to England, where mm-hmm. they make a living by making saddles, shields, and shoes. <laughs> um, and it's stories about their business. And then also, apparently, there's a bishop whose wife is a mouse. I don't know. <laughs> I just what I'm trying to say. I swear I read this like, summary like multiple times and was like, I don't understand what this story is. I don't know what's happening. It was the most random little details and these people just popped up out of nowhere. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, are we back in middle March? <laughs> <laughs> just random people with random stories. I think at one point the couples find themselves like trying to make a deal with the bishop there's something about the fields near the church and like the mouse is like don't plant in the fields and they don't understand why but it's like it turns out it's the bishop's wife who's just in mouse form for some reason like they're technically tied together but it was so unclear it never said why the bishop's wife was a mouse like i don't know and it also i was like why do they care about these fields because don't they just make Saddles, shields, and shoes. They're not farming, right? I don't know. So she can turn into a mouse? And then back into a human? I'm a little concerned if the bishop married a mouse. I am too. I really, (laughs) truly have no idea. What are we missing here? Um, All our listeners from Wales. Anyway. In this story. Yeah, if anybody knows about that third branch of the... Mabinogion... Let me know. Okay. The fourth branch of this big work of mythology is called Math, son of 
Mathonwi. Yeah. That's a little easier. Anyway, his name is Bath, so that's nice. Um, <laughs> so there's a land... So the north part of Wales is ruled by Math. Um, and then the south part is ruled by someone else. Uh, <laughs> he, the, the detail you need to know about Math <laughs> is his feet must be held at all times by a virgin unless he's at war. What? And apparently he falls in love with his current footholder, <laughs> but he's got to go to war <laughs> with the ruler of the south part of Wales, right? Mm. And then I just wrote shenanigans ensue <laughs> because they go to war and there's a war. There's another war. And that's the fourth branch of this book. <laughs> oh my god. So it's a prince? A prince? War. A war. A bishop and a mouse a and some people <laughs> making shields, swords, and shoes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Shields, saddles, and shoes, shields, Taylor. saddles, and Jeez, shoes. My bad. Pay attention. Okay, well, you almost said swords the first time <laughs> I'm you sorry. It. it was all, like, so battle-heavy. And then shoes. shoes. <laughs> and then... And then math. A ruler who can't have his feet touch the ground, falls in love with his footholder, and then has to go to war. Uh-huh. Okay. I feel like I got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I mean, this was very entertaining to research, actually, because I was like, I just have no idea what's going on. It felt quite different from mythology I was familiar with. <laughs> like Greek and Roman yeah. mythology. Even though that mythology is also ridiculous. Like the it things is. that happen are crazy. But I just felt like this wasn't just crazy. It was just random. Very mm-hmm. random. So anyway, that's that's the four branches of the book that I'm not going to try to say again because it's embarrassing. And that is the major work of Welsh mythology. All righty, we are back from our ad break. I lost my place in my notes in that time. Okay, so I have two more stories. Yay. I hope they're happier than Gellert, at least. Well, yeah, everything's happier than a man killing his dog. Okay, cool. (laughs) I'm here for it then. Okay, so this next one is called... (laughs) The Afanic. Oh. <laughs> My approach is to just trail off at the end. Can't mess it up if you don't say it. Can you spell that just so I have an idea of what it's supposed to be? A F A N C. So wow. when I looked up how to pronounce it, a oh, lot of wow. pronunciations were giving me A-V-A-N-C. And I was sitting there staring at my computer and I was like, surely this is not A-Vank. Like, <laughs> it can't be that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, maybe it's a vonk? I, I don't know. Okay. So the F-Vank. I don't know. Okay, it's a Welsh water monster. Okay. Similar to Nessie. Oh, Nessie. Oh, Nessie. Okay. Except this is said to resemble a crocodile, dwarf, 
demon, or beaver, or some combination of those two or more. Terrifying combination. (laughs) Terrifying. (laughs) Name them again. Crocodile. Crocodile. Dwarf. Dwarf. Demon. Oh, demon. Okay. That's the one I forgot. Yeah, I'm picturing a dwarf with a crocodile face and a beaver tail and like some devil horns. So I think a lot Wild. of the descriptions, I, if I remember correctly, was like beaver body, crocodile head. Mm. Those are pretty common. But there might be some demon in there. Mm, of course. <laughs> of course there is. Okay, so the, I'm just going to say a funk. I'm sure that's not right. You can just say A. The A. <laughs> the beast, the monster. Yeah. Yeah. The Welsh Nessie <laughs> lived in the Hlinirachnach. Gosh. <laughs> this is worse than the first section. <laughs> Which is the Afnach pool. Okay. In the River Conway. I got that. I really, truly, and now I only hear Affleck when you say Affleck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. <sighs> okay. Okay. So nearby this pool in a river um, was a small village that was okay. plagued by this monster. Mm-hmm. It said that when the massive beast was annoyed... It was strong enough to break the banks of the pool and cause floods, drowning the village's livestock and ruining their crops. Mm-hmm. There had been multiple attempts to kill the beast, but all failed because his skin was so tough that nothing could penetrate it. Wise men of the town had a discussion about what to do with the Afnak, and they decided that it couldn't be killed, if it couldn't be killed. It needed to be lured out of its pool and moved away to another lake where it wouldn't cause them any more harm. The chosen lake was Linfinyonlas. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. It's literally spelled <laughs> L-L-Y-N Lin, okay. F-F-Y-N-N-O-N Oh my god. <laughs> L-A-S. Oh my god. Uh, so, my question was how they planned on moving a giant water monster. Sure. I find it even interesting that there was like a plan B versus like killing it. Right. Because. Well, like, they couldn't kill it, so what are they going to do? I, I know, but like, if you can't, like, I doubt you can capture it. Right. Well, that was anyway. their plan. Anyway. How'd that go? <laughs> well, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so, the village people didn't see this as much of a problem. Like I did. Okay. Their real problem was how to lure the monster from its pond. Not how are they going to move it, but how are they going to uh, get it out? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Once that was done, oh no! they had had a blacksmith create strong iron chains to bind and secure the beast, and they had sent for Hugh Gardon and his two longhorn oxen, the mightiest oxen in Wales, to move the Afnak from the pond to the lake. And I meant to look up who Hugh Gardon was. I forgot. I'm going to guess he's like a god. Oh. Or whatever. Sure. The religious. Yeah. A deity. Welsh. Yeah. Of some sort. Yeah. Because he's got the mightiest oxen in Wales. Is this just some mortal? Maybe. 
Maybe. <laughs> He's just really rich? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So, turns out the monster had a weakness for beautiful young women. Oh, jeez. Super original. And the daughter of a local farmer volunteered herself. No. She did. I knew it was going to involve some human sacrifice. <laughs> I figured that's how they lure him out of the lake. Well, you figured correctly. Ugh. So, she approached the monster's pond and softly called to it while her father and the other men hid a little ways away. When the monster's head appeared, she began to sing a Welsh lullaby, and slowly the rest of its body came out of the lake, and eventually it fell asleep. The girl... was lucky. Right. The girl signaled to the men, and they began to bound the beast. They had just finished when it awoke, and it was not happy. Yeah. It slithered back into the pond, but a few men had already tied the chains to the oxen, so they were able to pull it out of the pond, but it took the strength of both oxen and every man there to be able to do that. Okay. And I'm just going to interrupt real quick to say my cats are freaking out, so it's I apologize <laughs> if there's lots of noises it's suddenly. And now that I said that, they're probably just going to both go to sleep, but... Just in case it happens. I don't know. Rory's tail right now is flicking back and forth, so we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So, trying to get away. They had already hooked it up to the oxen. They pulled it out. They were able to successfully bring the afneck to Linfinyan Loss, <laughs> where they loosened the chains, and it went straight to the water, where it has remained ever since, trapped by the sturdy rock banks. It just went in the new lake, like, okay. It did. Peace. Apparently. I like this, my new home. I guess they took it far enough that it was like, well, I need (laughs) water, and there's water, so I guess this is where I'll be. Side note. Uh On the way to the new lake, they were climbing a mountain, and the strain from the weight of the monster and the steepness of the incline caused one of the oxen to lose its eye. It just popped out of its head, oh. and the tears shed by the oxen created which is Pool of the Ox's Eye. Which is a real place? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Here we go. Esteban's lost his mind. Yeah. It is. Um, it's hard to find if you search it by that yeah. name, but it comes up. Wow. Yeah. And the lake that they brought it to, I'm assuming that's like a real lake that's got a bunch of like rock cliffs or something. Mm-hmm. I bet it's really pretty. Yeah. That's cool. So, that's that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, it always makes me wonder when I hear about these mythological beasts what it actually was that people were seeing that made mm-hmm. them invent these like fantastical tales about them. Mm-hmm. Like, was this just a, was this just an alligator? And they just like for some reason thought it also sort of looked like a beaver. <laughs> Can't quite tell what you are. So you're a combination of two things. Yeah, I'm like, what? like, where did you get that from? Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> okay, so my last story, legend, whatever it is is Dennis Imrus. I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly. Um, So from what I could gather, this was originally like a hill or mountain 
It's now the name of a castle mm. that's on that hill or mm-hmm. mountain. Okay. I think. That makes sense. Sources are a little confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically the story of this um, is also the story of, or one of, I, I guess I don't know if there's multiple stories behind this, but of the red dragon on the Welsh flag. Uh-oh. So, yeah. That's why I asked you if you were doing it. Are you well, doing something well, like this? Well, I didn't know if it was that it was named that. Sort of. <laughs> but not really. Okay. I didn't know it had that name. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll see we'll how see. much they overlap or how different they are. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. So, King Fortid Fortigern? No, we don't have anything about that. Nope. Okay, I guess they're totally different stories. So, King Fortigern would build a castle on top of Dinas Imris, but every night his castle walls would fall down. Oh, wow. That's inconvenient. Isn't it? Merlin. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. That Merlin. Uh-huh. <laughs> he informed the king that there were two dragons fighting beneath the hill, and that's what was causing the castle to mm-hmm. fall every night. The king had his men dig into the mountain, and in doing so, released the two dragons, one red, one white. Mm-hmm. The two dragons fought, but eventually the white dragon fled, and the red dragon returned to his lair under the mountain. The king was finally able to build his castle and have it last through the night, so he named it Dennis Imris in honor of oh. Merdin Imris, which I guess is <laughs> Merlin's Welsh name. Oh, okay. And the red dragon has been celebrated ever since. Other sources have noted that the red dragon represents ancient ancient Bretons, which if you're like me and you weren't sure <laughs> that versus the Saxons, because that's what the white dragon represented. Okay. I looked it up. <laughs> and that's just different regions of the island, right? That we know of as the UK. Not oh. according to my source. <laughs> okay, let me, let's tell me more about it then. Because <laughs> I clearly don't know. <laughs> The ancient Bretons were the Celtic inhabitants of the British Isles. And the white dragon represents the evading Saxons, who were the Germanic tribe that invaded oh. in the 6th century. Okay. So that's those cool. representations. Gotcha. Um, another source mentioned that the reason Merlin even told the king about the dragons was because someone, they didn't name who, advised the king that to stop the collapse, he must find a boy of a virgin whose sacrificial blood (laughs) will be enough to stop the walls from falling. A boy? Of a virgin. What does that mean? A Jesus? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, yeah. He has to find a Jesus. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that's when Merlin, the boy the king was going to sacrifice, informs the king about the dragons. So this caused me to look into more of Merlin because I was like, what is happening? Wait, so Merlin is like the Jesus of Welsh? Not quite. Okay, I'm sorry. As I dove in. No, I understand. No, no, no. You had the exact same thought process (laughs) I had. Um, Okay. So I then looked into how Merlin was born if his mother was a virgin because I was curious. Uh And apparently. He was born from an incubus and a maiden. Oh. So you're familiar with incubus. Yes. It's like a, de- like, not the devil, but it's like a demon, right? That will 
yeah, impregnates women. Yeah. Yes. The source I found said it's a male demon who has sex with a sleeping woman. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, okay. So nice. rape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I actually found another source. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. That said it was consensual between her and the demon. In this particular case, in Merlin's case, it was consensual between his okay. mother and this demon. And okay. that's how Merlin was born. So I guess they consider her a virgin because she had sex with a demon and not a man. Yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. For sure. Yes, that is quite different than the Jesus story. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit baby detail. <laughs> so, those are my legends. <laughs> that was funny. I mean, I don't know how else to end on that. Here well, are my sources. Well, did you want to do them now? Before I do my last story? I mean, I can that's okay yeah go ahead okay i'm gonna go through them real quick because i have a lot so i found these ideas from a buzzfeed article 14 strange creepy and surprising welsh myths and legends watched a youtube video lady of linen fonfach folkrealmstudies.weebly.com article welsh legends the lady of linen fonfach historicuk.com the legend of gellert the dog HistoricUK.com, The Legend of the River, Conway, Afnach. I don't know if they do the, but that's what I'm doing. So. What, is the, what is the letter here attributing to that noise? Uh, C? <laughs> we have that letter in our language. <laughs> well, when I looked up how to say the Lady of Linen Fonfach, uh-huh. the last one is F-A-C-H. But they say... Ooh. My cats are attacking each other. Okay. Vicious. <laughs> don't know how much of that got cut out or what you heard. But, yeah. It's spelled F... <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, Wikipedia, yeah. just on the off knock or however you say it. Nationaltrust.org.uk, an article of legendary trail of Dennis Imrus, because apparently there's a trail you can walk around the mm. castle. Oh my god, I'm ready. <laughs> Dictionary.tn, what is the difference between Britons, Britons, and Saxons? <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia, Merlin, Dictionary.com, Mythos.fandom.com on Merlin, and Unbound.com, Merlin and the Legend of Dinas Imrus. Oh, that wasn't that bad. Well, yeah, because we got interrupted by a cat fight. <laughs> That's true. So those are my legends. Tressie, you okay. want to finish us out here? Sure. Well, yeah. I have a single source for this <laughs> second part of mine. Okay, my source is an article from the BBC called The Mabinogion. God. It's that. It's the. It's the. The tome of Welsh mythology again. That thing, <laughs> Wales's monsters and mythical beasts. Okay. So I will just start in. A, I'm going to do a different order than I planned, but I just want to get this one over with because one of them was the red dragon. Yeah. 
again, this is just an overview of some of the beasts because I find them to be kind of a fascinating part of mythology, the beasts that they seem to come up with. Yeah. So um, I wanted to go over all these. And apparently these all appear somewhere within that big work of Welsh mythology that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the red dragon, you talked about them already. Um, apparently it appears in the tale of Lud and Lefels. They're spelled really strange. That's all I know. Um, and it's the two warring dragons, one red, one white, which is goes into the flag of Wales, as we have now heard. Okay. Um, the the next beast uh, does not have a name. They just call him the monster. Hmm. Apparently, it's it's just a behemoth creature. Uh, it appears in the first branch of the book. When um, a lord is waiting in his stable at night because he's had horses, baby horses go missing, and he's trying to figure out why, and so Mm -hmm. he hides in the stable to see what's been taking them. Mm -hmm. Um, And all all we know is there's an enormous claw that reaches into the stable, and he chops it off, and then the beast lets out this, like, horrendous, legendary scream and um, runs away. So the only part of the creature we see is this huge claw, which is why I guess no one ever really named him, because they didn't know what to name him. They didn't want to name him the claw. The claw. Guess not. We really missed an opportunity. I know, I know. Okay, so the next beast. Oh boy, this is definitely the hardest (laughs) name I had, sorry. (laughs) It's so incredibly intimidating. It's... Torch, truth. <laughs> what? I'm so sorry. There aren't any vowels, and I don't understand. How There's that's... no vowels. No, no. Okay, so it's spelled T W R C H. T R W Y T H. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It doesn't... I got the... I was like, okay, maybe the first part I could twerch, see is like twerch. T-R-W-Y-T-H. Twith. Twerch twith. <laughs> Surely that there's like a sign... These T's are silent or something. Okay. So it's worch wife? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I have no idea. I don't know if the uh, silent T's are better. I, uh, uh, I, don't, I was just trying to eliminate a consonant. <laughs> There's too many. Okay, anyway, anyway, this creature is a massive boar who is hunted by King Arthur. Mm-hmm. But not because he wants to kill it. This is my favorite part. But because he wants to retrieve a razor and shears from between the animal's ears. <laughs> anyway, spoiler alert, he succeeds. <laughs> Um, but the boar does kill many in its path with the help of its seven babies. Oh my god. <laughs> little, little boar pi- piglets. But considering this boar is massive, I'm assuming the piglets are probably like the size of a small child. You know, right. they're also huge. I don't know. Did it say why it had these items between its no, ears? No, oh, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> why it was carrying around two human objects between its ears on its head <laughs> is a, absolutely a mystery to me. <laughs> But apparently King Arthur really wanted those shears there you go. and razors, so I don't... Don't ask me. I don't know. 
Okay, the next beast is are, excuse me, the Hounds of Anwen, which are first encountered by the Prince of Dyfed, um, who is the main character in the first branch of the big book mm. of mythology. Um, Quill. Quill, yeah. <laughs> My good memory you have. <laughs> um, so these hounds belong to the Lord of the Underworlds. Um, mm. Apparently they like they shine or they're kind of gleaming their skin like gleams and they have red ears hmm so i have no idea what like real life creature that might be based on but Mm-mm. i don't know they're underworld dogs <laughs> there you go uh the last one that i have which i feel like is by far the most terrifying of any of these in my opinion um are the birds of rhiannon which what? Is it the same name as... Yes. The- okay. <laughs> okay, maybe it's just a common Welsh name. I don't know. Yeah, it there there she is again. I don't know. These birds can wake the dead oh. and lull the living to sleep, appearing far away at sea while their song sounds really near to you, which like kind of reminded me of a siren, mm-hmm. you know? But it when they sing, people go into this like otherworldly state where... You don't age and you don't feel fear, but you don't progress either. Like you, you just are kind of a vegetable, kind of. Mm. But you're alive and aware. I mean, to me, that sounds awful. Almost like yeah. being in a coma where you can't move. Yeah, you know. Except you're not scared. I guess I, I don't know. But I was like, <laughs> no, thank you. Hard pass on that. Yeah, Mm-mm. that's like more of a psychological fear for me than. You know, being killed by, like, demon hounds. <laughs> I don't know. Anywho, um, so those are some of the major beasts that appear in the, however you say it, you know, the main, like, Welsh mythology book. Can we give it one more shot? Oh, God. One the, last time. The Mabinogion. <laughs> there you go. Was that good enough for you? There's just too many syllables. <laughs> so happy that's on recording for forever. Mabinogion? I just I don't know. I just can't like I can't find a way to say that that feels natural. <laughs> you know, well, it's because it's Welsh, and that is a very hard language. At least there aren't any W's. Oh, mine had W's. I know, right? <laughs> a lot of them do. Okay, well, um, that's that's it for the beasts. But uh, one fun fact I wanted to point out that I thought was interesting was that Welsh mythology can claim the earliest appearance of King Arthur, the mythological legendary figure. Mm-hmm. Um, before Arthur became like an international figure, I guess, um, writings and, like, stories concerning him were more or less restricted to the Brythonic nations of Wales, Cornwall and Brittany, so they were very, very regional. Mm -hmm. So he basically, like, the whole idea of King Arthur originated in Wales, which I didn't know. Me either. Um, and he's all over Welsh mythology, and then I guess he's a, a... little bit 
different than he is in the English tradition, you know, than he's framed. But, yep. They had him first. There you go. That's that fun fact. I don't have anything about him, though, because I feel like we're all pretty familiar with the story of King Arthur. So I just... Who? I don't even bother with that. And if you don't know who that is, you know, educate yourself. (laughs) We won't do it for you. Absolutely not. We've done enough. Hello. I have a whole page of notes for you. You're welcome. A whole page. And a whole mess of mispronunciations for you. You're welcome. That was really hard. Welsh is just... An incredibly hard language. <laughs> it's amazing. I actually did like spend time on these notes. It may not have sounded like <laughs> Taylor really did. did. I didn't. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. Well, that's it for Welsh mythology, and uh, now it's time to review our tea, I guess. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, I'll go first. Okay. I, I mean, feel like Taylor's review is going to be the most interesting. You also talked about yours first. So. I did. Okay, I had the Fireside Mocha from David's Tea. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> like, it has... It does not smell very pleasant, in my opinion, which doesn't help when you're going in for, like, the first sip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have a chocolatey taste. I'll give that to it. Uh, just ever so slight. I... And I, I tried... I tried to pinpoint what the other kind of tastes were but I, I just couldn't um it's it's not my favorite though I finished with like half of it left and it's just like it wants to be chocolate but it's not good chocolate or something it's chocolatey yeah yeah I wish I could ex- like try to explain what the other flavors are going on there but I'm not even sure what they're going for did you get apple I don't know. Maybe a little bit of apple. <laughs> but like, you know, chocolate apple. Eh. Mm-hmm. Eh. Mm-hmm. Not a huge not a huge fan of that combo. Mm-mm. Anyway, I I'd probably give it a three out of ten. Mm. I just really don't see myself ever drinking it again. <laughs> Fair. So Womp, 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 womp. But I bet Taylor's review is going to be worse. It's going to be a little rated <laughs> tea episode. <Ooh>. Okay. <laughs> I had the Darjeeling Quince Organic Black Tea from Tea Forte, which was citrus, quince, and hibiscus. And it was horrible. <laughs> Taylor took one sip at the beginning of the episode, and I thought she was going to hurl <laughs> when I saw her face. It was so bad. <laughs> and then, I mean, we've mentioned on here before how we try and hide reactions <sighs> if we're not, like, a yeah. big fan of a tea. Because, yeah, we don't want to spoil it for each other either. But I couldn't help it. <laughs> was bad and then Tressa tried it and she didn't think it was as bad yeah I I definitely thought it wasn't good but (laughs) I wasn't like I based on her reaction I thought it was gonna be like horrendous and like tastes like garbage I just thought it didn't just it just didn't taste that good 
I flavors I, I didn't enjoy. Like garbage. <laughs> I didn't get any citrus. All I think I could taste what was whatever the fruit quince is. I also don't know what Darjeeling tea tastes like, so I'm That's a hard true. time saying what it was that wasn't good about it. I did go in for another sip <laughs> later. The brave. And it was as bad as it was the first time. So I'm going to have to give it a zero. Is that our first? No, I think you've given a zero. Okay. I think it's my first zero. That's sad because the other T4 teas we've had have all been fantastic. Yep. From what I remember. Delicious Mm -hmm. teas. So, well, I mean, it can't be perfect. (laughs) Mm -mm. So, oh well. Yeah, you gave Star of Persia a zero. Ooh, that, that shit was nasty. Yeah, I remember that. Um, so, yeah, I feel bad about that, but I didn't like it. I literally have an entire mug of tea left over. <laughs> I switched to wine because I just couldn't do it. So now I'm drinking <laughs> Adam Poochda Situation Red. Ooh, yes. Dry red wine. A good old Herman wine. Missouri. Yeah. Yay. Well, I'm glad you could find something satisfying to drink. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, I hated my tea, so I switched to wine. <laughs> that was the story the of that. End. Yep. All right. Well, you can find us on Instagram at Not Amused Podcast. Uh, we try to post a teaser on Wednesdays before episodes are live. And then we post the day that episodes go live on every other Sunday. We also sometimes post on Thursdays. Follow us there to keep up with what we're doing with the podcast. Um, you can also email us at notamusedpodcast at gmail.com with suggestions for topics you want to hear us do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and let's see what else is there. Rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah, I know. She's, Taylor's <laughs> done over there. She's checked out. I was starting the research wine for, hit. no, I was starting research for the next episode. Sure she was. I was. <sighs> all right, well, we will see you all in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you for our horrible pronunciation yeah, of Welsh and my for cat's freaking out. And if you everything. sat through all that, just give yourself a pat on the back good or job. a good old tap good hard tap not too shoulder. hard though oh but yeah not too hard you do not see what i see <laughs> okay 